Hey, hot legs! Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> oh, I thank you. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast that you send such evil energy from, it makes you feel sick. This is the show that evacuates you from a complicated, bothersome present and tucks you into the comforting duvet of the 90s via that decade's ultimate mascot, Sonic the Hedgehog, and his ultimate non-Mega Drive delivery vector, Sonic the Comic. We're the huge, we're the huge, we're the huge humes who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. And my name is Chris McFeely, and we're here with issue number 117 of Sonic the Comic, released on November 12th. Cover dated November 25th. Get out of here. We'll be on 120 before anyone notices what's going on. It's all space, this issue. Yeah. So, in fact, I like this cover. It's an interesting one. It's a McMahon. It's the wrong Sonic, of course, but that's course. the, but that's the is, job these is, days. Yep. What can you do? And he is running through space. He's racing through space. That's what it is. There's all planets that he's zipping between. I like this. Which is all in service of the fact that they've given some oh, space yeah. spinners away free this issue. Yes. Which is... Tiny discs. I definitely have these in my Sonic box, but they are not worth the bother of getting yeah. in there and finding them. Like they're just two little plastic, not pogs. They're like two no, no. little, like, like little frisbees with a yeah, sticker super on. Yeah, tiny little frisbees. Yeah and, yeah, and we saw the picture last issue, didn't yeah. we? One had a picture of Sonic on, and one had a picture of an alien head on it. And they are obviously designed to come out of some kind of shooter device, but I don't there's a think little notch cut in them. Yeah. Don't think we're given that device. No, I assume space spinners here. It must have been something branded or something that was happening around the time. Why didn't we look that up? It must be because of the alien design. It looks so generic, like this goes on a toy. Well, the, it's so generic that it's yeah. the kind of sticker that would go on the toy that goes on the front of a comic. Yeah, it's yes. They're probably still giving them away with comics now. Well, disc shooters that come with comics these days tend to be like plastic triangles where you just squeeze the two parts together and the disc pops out the front. So space spinner, just a generic term that maybe even STC came up with for circles. With a little notch out. Yeah. They're little discs that are clearly meant to shoot out of something. We don't care enough to look no, any more up. doesn't matter. They're tiny frisbees. Yeah. You're, spe- you're clearly meant to just throw them. You just chuck them. Just chuck them. And nothing happens. They'll just fall down. Yeah. This wouldn't even achieve a good brother forehead bonk. No. You'd have to have a very little brother. <laughs> Furthering the space theme, banner across the top says, Close Encounters for Sonic and Supersonic. There's a new Amy story, High in the Sky, plus a pin-up starring Amy, and an extra Sonic story called Hot Legs. Yes. And do you want to know why it's called Hot Legs? Well, stay tuned. And don't really find out even then. No, not so much. <laughs> the space theme does continue even over on the back cover, though. <laughs> Just a madman! Just a pain in the Dave. Hi. <laughs> Are you ready to jam? I'm simply not. It's taken 30 years, <laughs> and he's still not ready to jam, folks. I'm, not, I'm just not. I'm not ready. I'm preparing myself. He's clearly never going to get there. I'm still building my little cocoon. Better hurry up, you know. know. Time slips away. Yeah. You always think there's going to be time to get ready to jam. <laughs> This is it. We're only on this earth for a certain amount. And then you either turn around and you're 41. Anything could happen. I could get hit by a car today and I'll never be ready to jam. I'll never jam. I'll never mind being ready. I'll never jam. Ready or not. With these knees? No. <laughs> this is it. I'm, that's it. I'm past jamming by a long way. And it's just, it's just, there's just no... Space jam. You know space jam, everyone. Well, guess what? It's come out on video. 
Yeah. Coming out on video. That's what it is. This is an advert for that. Make sure you're jamming first. Yep. They spelled jamming <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. Only on video from the 20th of October, 97. That's when that's coming out. And if you do, special limited offer, you'll get a second video free. It is mm-hmm. a free 40-minute Looney Tunes video when you purchase Space Jam, while stocks last, blah, 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 blah. And that is called Space Tunes. I found the track list on Space Tunes. Oh, yes. It's got six... Classic full-length Looney Tunes cartoons on there, it says. That's right, and they are Duck Dodgers, 24th and a half century. Of course. Now, that one, I know what it is. I don't know which one the rest of these are. See if you know, because I don't know the titles of any of them. Sure. We could look it up, but who knows, you know. Jumping Jupiter. Jump in, apostrophe Jupiter. What do we think? I don't know. Probably a Bugs Bunny, Marvin the Martian show? These are all space-themed. We have Rocket by Baby. We have Hairway to the Stars. We have Rocket Squad. And the last one, The Hasty Hair. There'll at least be two Marvin the Martian-themed cartoons in there. Yep. Might be the full Marvin collection. Who knows? So if you know, go and watch them and uh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, you've got to come on and slam. (laughs) Just, I feel like you're you're doing it on purpose now, you know? I think I am. You're not watching it out of yeah. obstinance, a point of pride. I've never seen Space Jam and I never will. It's not like it floats past and I'm having to duck to avoid it. Like, it's not. <laughs> I don't know how to watch Space Jam and I would have to find out. I would probably have to pirate it. I would probably have to buy a VHS tape of it that comes with a free 40-minute video. I could never encourage anybody to go out of their way to watch Space Jam, it's true, but it does show up on television at Christmas time. Well, yeah, but I haven't got television. I have to to get things on, like, iPlayer and 4OD or whatever that's called now. It's true, and that would involve making the choice. Yeah, (laughs) I know. You should never make the choice to watch Space Jam. I can't recommend it, you know? (laughs) But yet, it is something that I am being obstinate by not doing. Maybe I should just do it, get it over with, pull the plaster, watch Space Jam, and then say that I have, you know? Yeah, you watch Space Jam, you won't enjoy it, and you'll wonder why you bothered. Space Jam! Space Jam! Oh my god, I hate Space Jam. Just, just, <laughs> what it represents, you know? It's like, oh, do you want to watch cartoons? Well, you'll have to know about basketball, I'm afraid. Do you want to watch this cartoon? Well, it's all about this American famous sportsman, I'm afraid. <laughs> you! And with that, <laughs> the contract is sealed. <laughs> May the free space spinners be with you. Be with you. Space. Because it's like space, like Star Wars, like a here's Star's an, War. Here's an out-of-this-world, like space, issue, which fuses the high-speed hedgehog with the likes of an A and then, and then says things that are in the comic. Yeah, we're going to have a space-themed graphic zone and a space-themed mm. pin-up mm. and nothing else. That's mm. it. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's not a space. That's how they make theme issues yeah. now. They do a cover, a poster, and maybe a graphic zone to sell you on a theme, whereas the rest of the strips... Uh, will be continued to be produced by the freelance creators who are not privy to what the rest <laughs> of the comic is trying to do with them. Yeah, it simply isn't a space issue. And what's doubly annoying about that is that if they'd done this a couple of issues ago, it would have been kind of because there was a space story going on. Yeah, at least one space strip. Yeah. Oh, well. But the more interesting aspect of Megadroid's welcome screen yeah. is that he says, he closes out by saying, I'll be back in two weeks' time when STC goes mega-sized for £1.50. There'll be an extra seven-page Sonic story, plus a really cool Sonic cover-mounted Christmas card. See you then. 
Oh, good. So it's a bit like when STC went bumper-sized in 94 yeah. for Christmas, except yeah. it's not as big, <laughs> and it's not Christmas yet. Oh, yeah, it's not Christmas yet. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. When I looked at this, I was like, Christmas has come early. This issue was released before the end of November. Okay. It's not even the Christmas issue that will be released and out on the shelves when Christmas happens. Well, why is it mega size then? That's completely arbitrary. Yep. Why is it? Because they have to charge more, so it's not even like a... A special for... Well, I can tell you this about it. Okay. For whatever reason... Yeah. Do not know why it is, but for whatever reason, after next issue, the gap between issue 118 and 119 is three weeks instead of hmm. two. There's an extra week. So they obviously... Something What's to do with where, where Christmas fell in the month. Uh. They must have wanted to space the issues out a bit so that they would have one on the shelf in proper Christmas timing. Space. Like an alien's space. <laughs> Sonic R! Oh my god, look at this! This is, um, this is, I'm putting the features jingle on for this. This is of a course, feature. I mean, this should Half be a, a two-page feature. <laughs> it, should, it should be a one-page feature at least. At least. This should be what's in the center pages instead of a flipping Amy pinup. Yep. But no, it's just a little strip in the bottom half of the page of the control zone. And here's what it says. Passionate gamers across Europe are consistently spinning Sonic the Hedgehog to the top of the game charts. This month's gaming's... I wonder why they mentioned Europe particularly. I guess because he's not at the top of the charts anywhere else. No, it's not. <laughs> this month, gaming's most famous character spins onto Sega Saturn with Sonic R, a surefire Christmas blockbuster that is a high-speed racing adventure. Sonic R is the first Sonic title created specifically for the Saturn and takes 32-bit gaming into a new dimension. The game allows full 3D freedom of movement and combines racing and action as characters try to reach the hidden emeralds before making a dash for the finish line. Technically true, yeah. but massively oversells it. <laughs> this exciting release contains five gameplay modes, including multiplayer, with a split screen as gamers walk, run, float and spin to be the first past the post. Sonic R also includes a stunning Whoa. hidden level feature that has helped to make Sonic titles undisputed classics. Un unusual approach to that. Uh, I, I guess there was a sort of hidden level in the last game. Oh, well, it's talking about bonus levels, really, isn't it? I mean, a special zone. Well, no, there is a... Sonic R has a separate track when you unlock stuff. Yes, but I feel like it's referring to the special zone. Oh! Uh, uh, you know, when it talks about hidden levels. Does Sonic R have that? No, no, I, th I mean, I think in this context it is referring to that extra right. final track you unlock. I see, I see. But, uh... Wait a minute, no, but that's not really a hidden level, is it? It's just the track that unlocks after you complete the well the four, isn't it? Oh, what? You just have to play it through once, and then here's the next level. Oh, yeah, but you could, so you can pick any of the four levels. They're not in order, right? But then the last one only unlocks when you've done them all. Yeah, because it's not it's not getting the emeralds. Getting the emeralds is what gets yeah. you supersonic. Yeah, yeah. And then when you play the level as supersonic, it always plays supersonic racing instead of the actual normal tune for the level. It's uh. Not really correct, is it? This this bit of copy here. Then <laughs> no, there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. They're just sort of talking half out their ass, yeah. and half truth in a way, sort of. So I never played Sonic R back in the day, mm -hmm. 
but I did play it after Sonic Gems Collection was released. No. Uh, played it on the PS2. That Sonic Gems Collection had Sonic CD, Sonic R, and Sonic the Fighters, and then a bunch of the 8-bit titles on there too. The big titles of the 16 to 32-bit era that hadn't previously been collected on the Sonic Mega Collections. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I I stayed up late playing Sonic R. Like mm. it's it's not it's not good Sonic R. It controls like a drunk baby. <laughs> it is, it's not good, but the music is good. Oh, yeah. The music's great. That carries you through. And also the enticement of getting all those emeralds and yeah. running around the supersonic. No, it really rewards getting the stuff, this game. Mm. I really enjoyed Sonic Art. So my history with it is that, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a Saturn, so I didn't play it on that. But it came out on the PC, and uh, by then... Yeah, of course. Uh, and this would have been 98, 99. I had a, I had a PC in, in my room by then, so... Uh, I went and got it, and um, I just remember having quite a good time playing it. I didn't stay up all night, I, I didn't unlock everything, but I had a go. And then I got a laptop to go away to university with, and I had mm. a few months between getting this and going away to university. So the last few months of A-level, me and my friends during free periods, we'd be sitting there, I'd have this laptop, and we'd be like, what can we do with this? Luckily, it turns out, you know, it was an old enough game by then, that Sonic R ran perfectly on this laptop. Yeah. So we fully got into it like as a group of friends we would pass this laptop around you know I, I, I was very trusting in those days you know somebody would just walk off with it and go to the other room and play sonic r and, and i'd just be like oh i'm sure it'll be fine and um we unlocked everything we had a tr- tremendous time playing that there are lots of good unlocks in there like you yeah. get metal sonic and metal knuckles, metal knuckles. and uh, tails dolls and yeah well that was eerie yeah the infamous tails doll and then there's just the music now i i differed from my friends on the music they insisted on turning the voice off because you could do that because that was they were, they were like well maybe not everybody is going to want to have all these lyrics playing all the time but I did they were good of course you did yeah living in the city you know you have to, have to survive you exactly the words you got yeah. to keep the, the dream, dream alive, alive. I don't know them all off but after that free. one can't you see when I went off to uni I took that with me and I remember the first really hot day coming home slamming Sonic R in the CD player <laughs> full blast One of the happiest days I've been. One of the happiest days, Chris, that I've been. You have been. (laughs) Truly Sonic R's big contribution to Sonic lore. The music. Yeah, it's actually good. There's nothing else in there. I mean, I guess guess Metal Knuckles does debut there. And I guess Tails Doll technically debuts there, but... Well, no, he fully debuts there, but that's all he's from. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But it's like... Okay, this is just maybe this is just raw speculation on my part then. But sure, Tails doll is also in Sonic Adventure because there are dolls of Sonic oh, yeah, and Tails right, yeah. and Knuckles, which are the targeting dummies yeah. in the Gamma tutorial level. And they are training dummies and that they are tied to posts with blinking lights on top of them because that is what they are. Mm. So that's why Tails doll has a pole with a blinking red light on top of him, which he has in Sonic R. Oh. So it seems to me that he must have been 
conceived in that role for Sonic Adventure, oh. and then they needed a, an alternate Tails skin, as it were, to go along with the Metal Sonic and the Metal Knuckles. Yeah. So they took the Tails doll and dumped it in. God, I think you, you, you must be right there. Now, I don't know if that is in any way supported, but that... It's yeah, just but makes, if not, it's just then... Logic. Yeah, like, what else could it possibly be? Why does he have a pole with a red blinking light on top of it? Tails doll has always been really weird and eerie, and we've always gone, why is that like that? And... Yes, that does explain it. And yes, the game was in development. Because there are Sonic and Knuckles dolls that look the same in Sonic Adventure. They're training dummies yeah. for Gamma to shoot. The only thing is, though, wasn't it a British game? Wasn't it Traveller's Tales? But, you know, they may have asked, you know, someone at Sega might have said, oh, here you go, we've got this. So, yeah, or they might have had a, they might have had an early build of Sonic Adventure to fiddle about with. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah I mean, that's, it's like Sonic Adventure's got to be in the works right now, doesn't it? it definitely, but because we know, because there's a, a demo of it, what they were working on in Sonic Jam, isn't there? Which I think is already out. I think. Is it? Yes, I think it is, because the stuff from it has been on the, you know, Rat.org and so on. And then... I even wonder if they used the same Sonic model in Sonic R or not. We'd have to find out. I could believe it. I choose not to do any looking. Oh, no. Speaking of the Sonic model, we've got three screenshots here. I mean, such as they are. There's three greasy smears on the page here. I would be very interested to know if they actually are screenshots or if they're like early development screenshots, mm. but I don't know well enough. Um, so, and the caption is, Sonic puts his back into Sega's latest and greatest November release, which doesn't read as much these days, but of course back then... First time we've seen his back in a game, really. I, I guess so, yeah, because they're all rear view shots. Apart from in a spinny round or a yeah. special zone or whatever, like, it was unusual to see his back, is the point. Because it's 3D, that's the point. This is a 3D game, you know, like Mario 64. Just like Mario 64. Full 3D freedom of movement along a long, narrow track. A single direction track, yeah. Yes. You have full freedom of movement, but if you move in the wrong direction, you're playing the game wrong. Yes, unless you're finding a shortcut. I remember this game being good for shortcuts. It was yes, all interesting well, ways. Largely, the shortcuts are where the emeralds are hidden. So you've got yes. to like find the shortcuts. You've got to collect enough rings to open the gateways that, that yes. are the shortcut paths where That's the emeralds right. are hidden. There's, there's good gameplay ideas in yeah. there for how to make a Sonic racing it's a game, good and, game and incorporate the... Uh, that's not crazy. It's a good game. It's not crazy. And we both liked the it, emeralds enjoyed it. playing it. It's good. That makes it a good game, I you know, say. That's, you know, <laughs> I can't fight you on that point. But obviously, whenever people 25 and younger liked games and had fun playing the games they grew up with, yeah. they're, they're wrong. Those were bad games. Yeah, those, yeah, those were bad games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's a totally different thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no hypocrisy whatsoever. I guess I, I feel like I haven't finished talking about Sonic R if I don't say, yes, I like the Charles Cornell video. Don't at me. You seen this, Charles Cornell? He's got his... I don't know He's a music theory guy, but he's but you can understand what he's saying and he's personal. <laughs> he's got a keyboard at the front of his screen and he's just like, the, the video is called This Sonic Soundtrack Did Not Need to Go This Hard. And he just goes through... This, how good the Sonic R soundtrack is. It is a good soundtrack. <laughs> but not just in terms of like, oh, this bops, but like this chord sequence, you are just never going to hear anywhere else. It's amazing. And here's technically why. And he'll play them on the keyboard and go, look, watch what I'm doing. See that after that? Never happens. Here are precedents. It, it's really interesting. Uh, do listen to it, everybody. That is so cool. And what a great device to use to return. Because we were going... To get us back to the beginning of that second section, but how do we now get from... How do we get from this area back to... G major, which is totally unrelated to any of the chords that we're playing. Well, very simple. We kind of... 
go to this new place, but we find ourselves just a half step above where we want to be. So all we got to do is drop it and then we're right back where we started in G major. That is such a cool transition. Where did that come from? This is a Sonic video game. Like, like why? This is not necessary. It does not need to be this good. <laughs> Best of Enemies, Part 2, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Tom Freeman. Emperor Kodor sends a small army of sentinels to the Emerald Hill Zone to apprehend Sonic, intending to have the Hedgehog lead him to the Chaos Emeralds. Unaware that Robotnik already knows full well where they are, and is playing the Emperor so he can take their power for himself. But the Sentinels are no match for Sonic on his home turf, so the Dracons unleash their ultimate weapon, the gigantic Master Sentinel. Oh, oh Dave, I was so excited after reading last issue, I genuinely had to like try hard not to just go ahead and read this issue right after <laughs> two weeks ago. Like Genuinely, I was so friggin' pumped after yeah. part one of this story. And then I cracked open this and I thought I'd picked up the wrong issue. Yeah, so did I actually at first, yeah. <laughs> because it, it, the first page begins yeah. with a sentinel punching Sonic good and proper and Sonic just going, arg, a big two-thirds page panel. It really looks like the resolution of a cliffhanger that is, this guy's about to punch Sonic, but he wasn't yeah. in it before. It's just, we're just here now. He's not because as Tails, who is very helpfully just standing off to the side watching Sonic get his ass beat, <laughs> just... Speaks into a little uh, portable Kintabur handheld it's computer It's a nice thingy. one as well. Don't you want to? Don't you want to rattle that spinny thing at the bottom of the yeah, handheld? That, that definitely, you crank that for some oh, reason. I, love I don't a go know what that. for, but yeah. He says, "Yeah, yeah, you're right there, Kintabur. There's definitely an intruder here." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, that, yep, okay. Help, baby, tails, come on." <laughs> I think this is the first time we've had such an in media's res one where it's like, mm. "Yes, Kintabor has sent them on this little mission," without it going like, "Well, Kintabor sent us on this mission." You know, just starting there. Straight to business here, no messing around. Elson's got his fat pens out for this page. There's something. Everybody's a big boy. Yeah, there's something really meaty about everything here. All the lines, all the colours. It's all, it's all ooh, big and fat drawings in this one, and I like it. Perhaps um, might be going a little bit overboard with the sausaginess of Tails' little tufts this time, but... Uh, he is... Tails is very... He looks kind of like he's made of plasticine. Like, if yeah. you squished him, he would give... Like a marshmallow, he would give and then spring back. He would make the cloud noise from the Sky Sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> and then after a quick page of Sonic action, we cut back to what this story is really all about. Here we go. More meaty stuff here mm. between so so what we get is a double page spread. Basically, that first page is just like here's one page, whatever. To be very nice, it's not like last issue where there were a couple of panels of Sonic action as a no courtesy, as an obligation. No, and last part was really about Robotnik and, and the Emperor, but they do still get like two full pages here back to back. Yep. That's all them without a hedgehog in sight. Yeah, and all it is is just them plotting and chatting, showing the reader what each character is about here because so. We're we're in Robotnik's base in Flicky's Island. Which I, I'm only just now noticing <laughs> he's put a big stone head of himself on top of. I don't remember that being there before. That might be new. No, I think that's new. Yeah. And I like that he bothered. It's like when he sculpted that mountain that holds the Miracle Planet down into the likeness of his own yeah. face. This is just what he does. I like that he's matched the materials. He's gone and found ancient Mobian stone to make this. Or maybe even Dracon stone. Uh, well, I would assume he defaced whatever was up there. 
Or he's N-faced it, because it didn't used to have a face, maybe. Nah. So it's temply and pillarsy. That's what it is. It's stone, steps and pillars and temple with a Robotnik head on top. And in there... You've got Emperor Kodor, you've got Robotnik, and you've got Grimer. And Grimer, of course, always pictured poking out from behind somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Just peeping in there. I really enjoyed this uh, bit because I was a little... Puzzled. Uh-huh. There's a good bit here where the Emperor's really confident the Sentinels are going to be able to take Sonic, but Robotnik's going, Don't underestimate him, he's more dangerous than he looks. And Grimer pipes up to go, Oh, that's for sure. Sonic has been beating Dr. Robotnik for years. I remember the time... All I- right, Grimer, I don't think we want to hear about that now. <laughs> yeah, that was a good bit. But uh, then I was puzzled because the Emperor says uh, he's going to capture Sonic and yeah. force him to reveal the whereabouts of the Chaos Emeralds. And I immediately go... They don't need to do that. Like, Robotnik yeah. knows where they are. And he said last issue that the whole point was that he was going to go and get them for him. So that seems like... That's weird. That's a goof. Why are they doing that? This seems like a bit of a plot control. And then... <laughs> to sh- as if to slap me about the face and tell me to shut my mouth. On the first panel of the next page, Grimer whispers to Robotnik, Why are you making the Emperor capture Sonic to find out about the Chaos Emeralds? We already know they're on the floating island. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, so we got bodies playing bodies here. The uh, I mean, obviously, Robotnik was never going to help the Emperor get the Chaos Emeralds. But it's just, yeah, it, it's. Yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying the the wheels as they spin. Well, right? yes, the way that this has been delivered to us, like issues and issues ago, when we were first in the Dracon Empire, we were going like, oh, what's Robotnik's play here, or or like we we were, there was talk of this your side of the deal, things like this. Mm-hmm. And what I love is that it's these two pages are a brilliant example of good writing because we're being given the information but at no point does anyone stand there and monologue about what the plan is about what's happening it's little bits of conversation with different people delivered to us over different issues it's never one big info dump and we're just gradually as adults we're going oh it's this oh we're learning stuff as we go along in just enough little packets to keep us interested to keep us updated and to make perfect sense it's good like when he reintroduced metallics back in issue 50 did the new metallic story yeah the introduction of the dracons was kitching laying the seeds for the long game Mm. you know because with the introduction of metallics they first mentioned the brotherhood then we did the whole brotherhood story which was a good 20 some issues it's been nearly 15 issues since the whole dracon flicky's island thing kicked off you know and we know that this story best of enemies is a three-parter but this is not the end of the story to acquire the power of the chaos emeralds yeah like that's gonna run a while yet in these intermittent multi-parters. This feels even more so than the Metallics thing. Now, we know Kitching, by his own admission, sometimes didn't have an ending of a story in mind when he thought up the start, uh, to the point that he could be up to part four and he would only then have part six figured out. But something about the way the Dracon story is unfolding here, it really feels like he had a clearer picture of the big game in mind, the way the nuggets of info are being played out here. On the simplest possible level, if you really want to please me with a Sonic story, make it be that they're trying to get one or many Chaos Emeralds. Like, I mean, give me that. I love it. <laughs> like we said last issue, there's a bigger plot in play now, and of course, it's about obtaining the most powerful artifacts yeah. in the world of Sonic, which are small, look nice, could be hidden anywhere, including in a different dimension. I just, I just really like the process of getting Chaos Emeralds. It's from the games. It makes for good stories. I love it, and I'm really pleased that that's what we're doing again. (laughs) And speaking of stuff from the games, (laughs) how much did you enjoy the back half of this then? I mean, yeah. 
it's <laughs> like so so more sentinels it's just, it's just one sentinel to start off sonic yeah. beats it and then more come through a mobius ring with a prosecutor leading them uh but sonic has the measure of sentinels now he says here as he lifts its the head of the one he's defeated so these definitely robots now that this is yeah. this remember this was a question we had before no question anymore yeah sentinels are definitely robots there are not little fish in there we know this because he says once you get the hang of it these aren't that much tougher than your basic badnik robot and it's like okay this is the old um power creep isn't it you know yeah <laughs> or, or, or the the inverse of that where it's like these were serious business before and now sonic simply pinball crashes through two of them one after the other takes them like like an ordinary badnik mm. and that line of dialogue from sonic does just feel like just letting the audience know this is why they're going down so easy it's because he has their measure now yeah he's figured them out these are the the new putties with the z in the middle once you know to kick <laughs> that you know what you're yep, doing that's it you sure picked the wrong zone to try and take me out this is the emerald hill zone the place i learned to use my speed in other words I run this zone. <laughs> and he just aces them. Oh, I really loved this bit. Like where he jumps in a loop and builds up. And it, and yeah. it's, it is the bad kind of loop you don't sure. enjoy. Sure. Because it has no on ramp and off ramp. It's just a stone block with a hole in it. But. But that is actually part of the mechanics of the story where he gets in the stone loop and just goes round and round and round and round and round and round which you couldn't do if it, had oh. if it was an on-ramp but an off-ramp you'd be down the road <laughs> he spins to build up momentum and then whoop, shoots out and takes down like two Great or three stuff. three three more of them just poof, and there's tails taking care of one as well just on just on his own he grabs his sentinel lifts it into the air and then simply drops it with the old let me go all right tails holding his own i love that i love that get off let me go, Mobian. Get off. <laughs> just like old times. And it is Sonic. just and like it old sure times. sure is. I mean, if I had, you know, a little part of me bristles when he says, oh, this is where I come from and learn all my skills. The Emerald Hills? No, it was the Green Hill. But of course it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll allow it. Yes. <laughs> and he takes out the last one by uh, simply pulling back a palm tree and releasing it and it smashes them. Good stuff. Coconut. I hear they're very good this time of year. Can't stand the things myself. Oh, write that down. Reference it in everything from now on. Sonic doesn't <laughs> like coconuts. <laughs> and I love how the prosecutor just swats it out of his hand with his silly big stick. Yeah. <laughs> like a baseball bat. Book. <laughs> you have not met the final sentinel yet. I could do with some more exercise. In turn, Sonic the Hedgehog, turn and face the master sentinel. Uh... And it's huge. And... One has to assume, yeah, uh, barring art style differences, uh -huh. this is another one of the giant robots the from the original one. Sentinel yeah. storyline way back in issue 29, 29, yeah. 29. Yeah. Drawn in a much more uh, cartoonish, dracony way versus the original Ferran Rodriguez strip, which was just a big bloke. Yeah. But it's got to be, doesn't it? This has to be. Absolutely got to be. This, it's yeah. tying it back together in the end. Yeah. I assume they'll, maybe they'll make a reference to it next issue. Well, we'll see, yeah. But then we end with Robotnik and Grimer kind of kind of looking, looking at each other like, oh, shit, maybe, yeah. as the Emperor goes, Sonic will soon be my captive, and then the mighty Chaos Emeralds will be mine! Next issue, the bigger they are. This whips. Yeah, yeah, this is just, this is full-on STC. 
I don't need to, we don't need to really say it anymore, but like for a minute there it felt like we weren't going to get any of this again, and we are. I love how Sonic and Tails are having adventures now. Yeah. Like that went, that just went away for a while. And not just because Sonic was in the special zone, like for a long time before that. But now, ever since Flicky's Island started, Kitching wants to put Sonic and Tails together. They did Flicky's Island together. They did that um, uh, Tantaroar thing together. They went to the chemical plant zone together. And now they're doing this together. Love to see it. Quite right, too. Exactly. Yeah. And it's full of stuff from the games. <laughs> it's full of stuff from the games. It's full of stuff from STC. What a tremendous time we're having. <laughs> yeah, it it is just it's a story for a very specific audience, which we not an audience of two, but <laughs> we are slap bang yeah. in the group of people that this is targeted at. <laughs> and I just I just like knowing that the whole Dracon thing is it stretches out before us. Yeah. You know, this three parter is yes. not going to be the end of this story of the Emperor's search to get the Chaos Emeralds. So that's another great Kitching Elson story returning us full into the excitement of STZ at its height. We couldn't possibly be happier. We've had two issues now of extended this is going to sound like a, a criticism or a boring thing, but extended conversation scenes, which are yeah. well written and gripping and advance the plot and make you go, oh, what's happening? Oh, this is happening, but what's happening? But what's happening? There is a level of complexity for yeah. kids' comic writing of the villains playing the villains and not all the cards being shown in a way that I'm having trouble thinking of another example of a Sonic strip doing before. Well, it feels a little bit like this end of the comic is the bit that's growing up with its audience that we were talking about a few issues ago wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. No, you. I feel like you've made a point there about the end of the comic, and maybe we'll come back to that sentiment <laughs> at the end of the issue. Hunter and the Hunted Part 2 Written by Nigel Kitching Art by Nigel Dobbin Letters by Tom Frame Ebony uses her mystical powers to confuse Biohazard with illusions of Supersonic and while they occupy his attention a reluctant Pajamas begins using her psychic powers to peer into the amnesiac Supersonic's mind in order to discover the truth of his identity I feel like there's less to say about this one, but that doesn't mean it's still not good reading. It does open with that bit that sort of made me chuckle slash roll my eyes a bit, where Biohazard is bellowing in gigantic font in a huge (laughs) big speech bubble, Supersonic's name. But because Ebony and Pajamas cannot know his name yet, even though he's a yellow version of Sonic, Sonic. (laughs) nobody calls it into question, (laughs) because they can't know that that's his name, we have to have Pajamas say, what? What's, what's he saying? I can't. I can't make it. I was. Was that? And he's literally roaring it the loudest you can possibly do something in a comic. Well, look at the details here. Look at all those lights around the ceiling. I reckon the music's still turned up loud in this bar. <laughs> it's a coffee bar. It's not going to be. It's. This is where they read soothing poetry. Oh, you're right. The groovy train. Yeah, look, it, it read two nightclub two top of the pops in this picture, but you're right, it is, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax to, not, yeah. not big blaring nightclub soundtrack stuff. <laughs> Never mind, pajamas. Just take our friend to the back room. Yes, it's almost... It's. Uh... She's so oblivious, Ebony, in this one, that it's almost like 
and maybe it is this, she actually does know what's going on and is just trying to keep it a secret from Pajamas. Because Pajamas is going like, no, seriously, there is tremendous evil energy just billowing off this guy. And Abby's like, ah, shut up. Well, there is one thing, basically, that we know about Pajamas. Yeah. And that is that Pajamas is always wrong. Oh, yeah. So I could understand why Ebony wouldn't take her point too seriously. Oh, I forgot that, yeah. So she's trying to get Pajamas to take Supersonic, or whoever he is, to take this one guy. Yes, this mysterious yellow Sonic. To safety, so that Ebony can fire magic at this attacker. And it's fully kitching, channeling a bit of the old Doctor Strange as well. She she shoots beams at him, and she says, The golden rays of Adeza just bounce off! That's proper Crimson Bands of Citarac stuff. That's... that's... uh, Thank you. I don't know that reference, but my note is... This is some good superhero comic sing. Curses, the golden rays of Adeza have no effect. I summon the images of Icon! <laughs> but it's not just the phrase. It goes on. It's the fact that the reason that they have Let no the effect... the winds of Watum sweep my enemies away. The vapors of Volfor... While he goes on about that. Your mind. The, uh, <laughs> the reason why they have no effect is because they only affect the intelligent. Yes. So now she can use trickery against him because she's established he's unintelligent and that's a trait. And that feels very Stanley as well. And you put that together... Within the previous one, all of this stuff with the the villains talking to each other and setting up like, but I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. This, this half of the comic is, it's superheroes-y, right? You're the expert uh, yeah, on this. Oh, yes, but it definitely. Is. I mean, I, I'm not sure about this sentiment that magic works mainly on the mind. Uh-huh. Is it like, if you don't believe in magic, then magic doesn't affect you because yeah. magic is powered by belief, as it were, you know? Yeah. Is that the tactic that's being taken? Is it that Biohazard is too stupid to understand what's happening so, and therefore his lack of any understanding or belief in the magic means that it but it also sort of thought to me like maybe surely it would be the truly unintelligent that would believe that that was a real thing <laughs> well what basically one word here is missing it would have been better if she'd said my magic works mainly on the mind yeah, you know? yeah that's and then we'd have been like oh She's that kind of... She's a that mage, or whatever. Where it's like, they see a beam of energy coming at them, and they go, oh crap, that's a large beam of energy coming at me, and therefore they... It's given power by their perception of it, if you know what I mean. Well, this this is some heavy heavy thought processes that are going into (laughs) unpacking this, but basically, you know... You think, therefore it is. Yeah, a placebo beam. Uh, yes. You're being psychosomatically injured. <laughs> yeah, that's another way of putting it. <laughs> but no, Biohazard's just extremely thick, so whenever all these supersonic illusions appear, he's like, oh, where did these guys come from? Is this some kind of trick? Just as I thought, thick as two short planks. And then we have an entire like half-page cutaway to Sidewinder and his gang, just for them to say, well, he can't be stupid enough to start vomiting all his stuff everywhere, so he definitely won't do that. Cut back to <laughs> top page four. He's vomiting all his stuff everywhere. <laughs> that is Biohazard's... I think he's only really used it the one time before, mm. but... but uh, why he's called Biohazard, he shoots big streams of toxic bulk. Yeah. Oh, just like the blighter's not lost his cool and started shooting that toxic chemical around. I told him I wanted Supersonic uninjured. If he is using his toxic powers, he knows what I'll do to him. Not to worry, Lord Sidewinder, says Lightmare. Even Biohazard's not that stupid. <laughs> Cut to, you trying to make a fool of me? You think I'm dumb? You're laughing at me! Try laughing this off! <laughs> Do you know, it's a real shame that this comic wasn't, like, more embraced by Sega as a quote-unquote real thing, because 
what a good toy Biohazard would have made. <laughs> Imagine a quite big, you know, like a vehicle toy of this guy. Especially in the 90s, it's, yeah. whenever things came with ooze. When ooze was in. And you push, push the thing. You push the top of his shell down and the ooze comes out of his mouth. Yeah, and various other bits. Just push one of those big plunger stacks on his back that, he, that he's already got. Oh, yeah. And he just, bleh, 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 just, yeah. Voms up ooze. It would have honestly been a great toy. I love this gag that then immediately follows as well, where Supersonic says to Ebony and Pajamas, This is my fault. That creature's after me. I should leave. And Pajamas just goes, Bye! Bye. <laughs> yes! I love that! <laughs> and then, yeah, we end up the chapter with Pajamas being convinced by uh, Ebony to use her mind meld powers. I just want you to know that I think this is a really bad idea. That's all it starts doing. Things are becoming clearer, but as it starts to happen, Biohazard realizes he's been tricked, and his little tracking gizmo points him to the back door. They're in the back. Are they in the back office? Yeah, I think so. It says office. Yeah, on yeah. The door. They're, they're, it says office on the door. Yeah, yeah. They're in the back office. Coming to get you, Supersonic. Next issue: Supersonic versus. Biohazard. Yeah, cool. I wonder what's going to... Like, his pajamas probing in his mind going to, like, unlock a bit of his power? Like, okay, oh, we know yeah. Supersonic doesn't get turned back to normal. Like, spoilers, folks, but just that, that that's one thing we remember is mm, that yeah. this is not a one-strip short-term conceit, the idea yeah. of Supersonic being amnesic. So he's not coming back to normal, but I wonder, mm. is, like, a little bit going to happen? Like, maybe... Don't know why I'm bothering to guess. I'll find out in two weeks. But like, maybe it unlocks it, and maybe Ebony has to give him amnesia mystically again. Maybe oh. that's why explaining magic predominantly works on the mind oh, is is set up maybe. for that. Maybe she has to wipe his memories again and return him to being a nice guy after he rans Biohazard limb from limb or something. That sounds cool enough that I don't think it's what happens because I'd remember a strip where I got a pretty good track record and yeah, whenever true. I actually start unpacking true, where, yeah. where where these things it's go. It's just an actual full on supersonic returns and fights biohazard. I feel like I'd remember that, but uh I mean supersonic versus it's versus biohazard uh, though it says that V supersonic yeah. V biohazard Yeah, but you can V someone without having your laser eyes back. This supersonic couldn't fight biohazard. He'd need power. There's fight and there's fight. You know the floor might give out. Anything, yeah, you could yeah. hit him with a stick, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. Go on, you just have to jam up his holes. Oh, matron, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to really hold myself back from just reading the next issue right away here once again. <laughs> Isn't this great? Do you remember when we were this excited for the next one? And we are again. It's been a while. Yeah, I would maybe even go back to before the special zone stuff before I was genuinely this excited for the next part of a story. So, and yeah. sure, sure. Part of it is the not knowing, mm -hmm. because it is like I'm experiencing this for the first time all over again, not knowing where the story's going to end. Yeah. But we thought it was gone, yeah. and it ain't gone. <laughs> <laughs> just a madbird, just a Know your Nicktoons, late women! Know your Nicktoons! <laughs> yes, we had one of these last issue, issue before, yeah. where we saw uh, Angelica from Rugrats. We've had a few of them now, I think, haven't no, we? No, just the one, just that one. Oh, really? You're thinking of the Fox Kids. Uh, yeah. Well, this is uh, labelled number 25, so I guess these must be, well, either that's completely made up, or they're running yeah. in many magazines. It could just be that joke, couldn't it? Thing number 74 or whatever, but yeah. uh, we don't actually know. This is Daggett, who is from the Angry Beavers, which I've seen but i didn't watch enough to remember him oh yeah i watched plenty of angry beavers yeah i don't know where it was on in uk terrestrial 
This is an ad for Nickelodeon, of course. Yes. So it's on Nickelodeon, 4 p.m. every weekday afternoon, starting November 3rd on Nickelodeon, the satellite and cable channel for kids. Um, I don't remember where it was on British Terrestrial, but it, it was no. on Irish Terrestrial, and I saw plenty of it there. Voiced by the same fella that was oh. Alpha 5. Oh. I, that's just for you, Dave. That, that, that yeah, just thank be, you. To give you some context. Richard Stephen Horvitz is his name. Oh. Daggett, a manic, highly strung, scaredy beaver. Watch Daggett and his brother Norbit on the Angry Beavers. It is exactly what we said it was going to be. Yep, 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 yep. It's uh, not an attractive post to this. It's Amy and Techno in a flying saucer. Yeah, from the first panel of the Earthbound story, when they were flying mm-hmm. home, got lost, Amy's got her map out there. Amy and Techno barely visible over the dashboard of the spaceship in the middle of the pinup. But a much better example of a panel yeah. uh, being used as a pinup than that Sonic and Tails on the plane one uh, from the previous issue, where this this flying saucer fills up the mm. whole pinup. It looks good. Astral Amy. And Techno <laughs> says the rather off-balance little logo up in the corner with a big, gigantic Amy and a teeny tiny Techno just down in the corner. Oh, but speaking of uh, unbalanced... Diary I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have but what was it actually like to be reading this comic back in the day, eh? What was it like as an aging boomer? Not the generation, not the, that kind. the STC reading kind. <laughs> Sitting there pretending his childhood isn't coming to a crashing end and trying to read children's comics about Sonic the Hedgehog. What is that like? Well, we'll find out here in the Diary Zone where I crack open my creaky old diary from 1997. This is real. This is my real teenage diary. And here this is what is it. not a bit. <laughs> and we begin on Saturday the 8th of November, 1997. It just says, Red Alert. Sending Mum out for it tonight. Oh, Command and Conquer. Command and Conquer, yeah. Played the demo today and last night, see? So evidently I had the demo of that see? On, a, yeah. on a on a magazine. Do you ever play that? Uh, Command and Conquer? Not really my thing. No. No, well, it was, it's never been mine except this one. Um, yeah, it just the demo came with a magazine and I remember being... To me, it was a completely new kind of game. You know, I'd never played an RTS before. Mm. If I've played one since, I don't remember. Um, my, not really my thing. I mean, I would rather have pokers driven up my arsehole. <laughs> but, um... No, I liked it. My brother... Did, I don't know if we had Redler. We've certainly had Command and Conquer games in the house. Yeah. This is it, yeah. I, I never got along with any of the others, but just something about this one. Little guys... The, the demo, I think, has a little Einstein going, good gracious, or something that you're trying to save from the enemy and stuff like this. That was lovely. This isn't the one where Tim Curry goes to space, though. No, right? sadly, I've never played that one, no. Jay Axer drew on the echidna and did a pretty good job of it. The Jay Axer. Yeah, there's a bit of history for you if we can dig that. Where's drawing. that drawing? God knows, old hard drive somewhere. Yeah, that might turn up somewhere. You never know, but it hasn't done so far. Uh, Sunday the ninth informed Mike that I'm getting red alert tomorrow, so I'm phoning round. Oh wow, so it's all about you. <laughs> making sure the gossip builds up to date. Yeah, I do. No, I do remember that when when I did get this, it spread around and all my friends started getting it. And one day, you know when someone pays you a compliment and you just remember it for the rest of your life? Oh yeah. One of my friends said, Bulma doesn't buy a lot of games, but when he finds one, he finds a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Monday got Sir to sign the theatre contract. All I can possibly imagine that is 
is that do you remember how in the last one we were getting really annoyed that he wasn't letting us have the rehearsal space because yes, there recall. was a sixth former in there or whatever i think we've written him a contract he has to sign saying like <laughs> i i the undersigned say that dave and his mates can practice their time travel play got red alert of course this is interesting this it this i'm prepared to say on record is interesting but only to a very certain subset of people in the world well sure i mean that's that's a pretty solid description of the podcast that's going on the back of the dvd case Mm. interesting but only to a very specific subsection of the world exciting engaging profound dave's interesting stories vastly improved walk4.mid The creator absolutely loved it. Okay, so what I'm talking about here is... I know, disagree. (laughs) But wait. You know, a little bit ago, I was excited to get games-making software called the Games Factory. I do indeed. You know how that was the successor to something called Click and Play that a lot of people were making games on? Yes. Well, one such game that a boy on the internet was making... An older boy? I think he was a couple of years older. All the cool stuff on the internet was made by older boys (laughs) back then. He was about my age, and he was making jokey parody platform games with names like Immaturity Day and Aliens Took My Doritos, and I haven't been able to find out which one which game this was from but my friend braid who was into dizzy he knew this kid and he sent me a midi of the music from the game or he sent me the game or something but he sent me this anyway and i went like well i can do better than that because the music wasn't very good in this game so i thought what if i make a better version of that midi send it back to the kids and he might be like oh that's good do me some more This kid, I don't think he got very far with his games, but they were about characters from his comics, which he turned into one of the early webcomics. And he became, you know, he did pretty well out of it. He was a bit of a pioneer. That was called Roomies. And then Walk 4 was short for Walkerton. Walkerton himself was the titular character from It's Walkie, which... You're talking about David Willis. (laughs) Walkie. Walkie, famous member of the Transformers fandom, my friend, David Willis. Yes, I am. (laughs) You said it was interesting, didn't I? Yeah, it suddenly became interesting. I was barely listening at the start. Now you're going to go back and tell me over again. <laughs> the character Walkerton, he put him into this game that I made this MIDI for. I don't think he used it. It's not like I was involved in that. Well, those characters go back to earlier than this. Back to when he was single-digit ages. Yeah, yeah. He was drawing those characters in his jotters at home. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's where we're up to on the timeline now. We've got him making click-and-play games, making his first webcomics, going on to become a pioneer. And am I right in saying one of the founding fathers of TF Wiki? Certainly, yes. That's, that's I think accurate. it would be pretty low down on his resume, but yes. <laughs> well, yes, the definitely, thing. absolutely. Be- because of that connection, I knew that it was either going to be, I know and like that guy, or I know and hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Well, that is uh, that is one thing that you know about Walkie. If you know Walkie, is that there are uh, some strange people out there in the world who think of them as the great boogeyman of the Transformers fandom, <laughs> who just is yeah runs this awful wiki that's just full of awful jokes, and it's his personal wiki that, that he maintains fiefdom over. <laughs> None of it true. Yeah. So yeah, well that well there's an interesting odd, little uh, connection, uh, isn't it? What an interesting little connection! I, how many times do I have to say? The internet is much smaller <laughs> yeah. than, than you think sometimes. We're the guys we're the guys from the internet, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've heard of us. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That, that was obviously going to be a person we share in common in some way. <laughs> I never would have thought. Yeah. But but obviously, yes, it makes great sense. How'd you get in touch with him though? He wasn't hanging around Sonic fans. I didn't. He I this is the thing, I never met him, but my friend Braid, the Dizzy fan. Just knew him. Just knew him, I guess. Uh, okay. Well, now I want to know if Braid goes by any other names. That, I know. that there's maybe some there could be some weird connection there. Yeah, no, couldn't there? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. That is, in fact, I recant my recant. <laughs> that was, in fact, play the jingle. <laughs> that was, in fact, one of Dave's interesting, interesting stories. Still one of the best. <laughs> yeah. Bits, you know. And I reiterate that it's an interesting story through a very certain subset of people. Yes. Who, of which we are both members. <laughs> this is true. There'll be people in the audience who'll be interested to hear that. Friday the 14th, emailed Nigel Kitching for the first time. Oh, <laughs> shit. With a few questions. Uh, more of a comment than a question. <laughs> <laughs> Monday the 17th, first STC list emails, brackets, non-subs. Don't know what non-subs means, but evidently I've set up a mailing list about mm. uh, for STC fans, so the first few people coming in. Uh, Tuesday, STC list has 15 users. It would be Ooh. 16, but I lost an email, Addy. So people are signing up to talk about STC. That's going places. Do you remember when we called them Addies? Addies. Email Addy. You don't do that anymore, do you? No, you don't. <laughs> I don't know why, but you don't. No. You simply don't. We used to watch your Addy. We used to say that. Yeah, it did, yeah. That was an acceptable thing to do once upon a time. Yeah. You catch anybody doing it now, you'd slap the taste out of their mouth. <laughs> Wednesday the 19th. Oh, no. I wonder what would happen if I tried to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, something happened that day. <laughs> Like the scales fell from your eyes for a moment before you were desperately picking them up off the floor and super gluing them back on. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a it's a Wednesday, so I've been at school that day, and there is no news about what kicked me off on this. But we can read between the lines of the next paragraph and find something oh, there. I think. Okay, right. Says, Let's get to it. Bit of detective work. I mean, what is normal? Fair. People say I'm weird because I don't like football. Mm, now I'm on side, and I'm. Literate, and I can be funny without swearing. And when I <laughs> oh, okay, you're just angry. All right, I'm just angry. Nobody says that you're weird for these things. That you are writing <laughs> uh, down all the reasons you I think, think I'm you're better, better than, than everybody else. else. Yes, and I like this one. And when I make sex humor, <laughs> <laughs> I call it sex humor. <laughs> And when I make sex humour, it's very much funnier. When I make sex... <laughs> when I make the sex humour, I do not swear. It's much funnier than the normal people's because because their sex humour is just, I wanna f*** 
and then those around them think that's funny because of the swear words, not even the delivery. <laughs> I don't know what I've got me asked today. <laughs> so clearly, like you basically you made a joke that didn't land, yeah, and then yeah. someone else did a swear yeah. and got a big laugh. Yeah, it's gonna be. You probably even was like, no, why did you laugh at that and not at mine? And then they called you weird. Yeah, I said, but mine was objectively funnier. What if I tried to be normal? <laughs> and the very next thing it says is, finish chapter one of my novelization of the Fury. Victory! So I'm not trying to be normal. Any hint of self-reflection <laughs> within that paragraph at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I say that as a man who did exactly the same thing. Did you? So do not think I yeah. am casting any shade here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As established a very, very long time ago on this show, I also wrote prose versions out of STC strips. Yeah. Also, I don't know where I'm getting this from that I'm like, oh, I don't swear. Like, uh, that, that's new. Like, I wasn't like that. Or was it specifically about swearing in comedy? It must have been that just now I've just got up myself to the point where I'm like, well, I can make sexual innuendos and not... I don't know what's going on. Listen, no, even at 41, yeah. I tire of TV shows where just the fact that they said a swear is the funny part. Sure. I don't think there's anything weird or abnormal about rolling it. Maybe at 15, actually, it's a bit abnormal you know. because you're only just discovering swears. <laughs> um... Why do you think South Park was such a success? <laughs> Found out today our school is the second worst in the country, results-wise. <laughs> hey! Hey! Dragging the average down. Saturday the 22nd. Me, Braid, and Foxy. Remember Foxy? Foxy! And the funniest chat ever. How the double entendres flew. <laughs> I bet we didn't no, you swear didn't either. Swear, no, yeah. I bet your sex humour... Uh, was hilarious. Far superior to normal people's, yes. Uh, it has to be read to be believed. But until Christmas, we shan't be seeing Braid again. Not enough dosh, so his dad is confiscating the modem. <laughs> ah, well, Ooh. at least me and Foxy can have a good laugh together. Oh, yeah. Is that what you're going to be getting up to together, is it, yeah? Sunday the 23rd, got a reply from TMH. What do we think TMH stands for? TMH, Guessing game. TMH, TMH. And it's right. not a person's name. Too mm -hmm. many mm -hmm. hedgehogs. Oh, not a bad guess. Uh, the. Yes. The MH. TMH. Mario homepage. Ah! Oh, very good. No, it stands for. Do you give in? I give in. The man himself. Nigel Kitching. <laughs> no, wouldn't have got there. <laughs> uh, very Megadroid of me, though, you know. TMH, yes. the man himself. He was impressed with the part of the Fury I sent him. Oh, no, I've sent him my oh, novelization no, of the Fury. Dweeb! Oh. <laughs> but he's being nice about it. Hey, maybe it was actually good. He was impressed with the part I sent him up to the end of the bit where he explodes the SBS ship in Chapter 1. He said he hoped I'd send him any others I do, and that I really have a great understanding of the characters and their relationships. Oh, I realised that myself as I wrote it. He, esp <laughs> he especially liked the scene with Sonic and Porker. I really brought out their personality and relationship. In layman's terms, and I've spelt layman wrong, L-A-E, <laughs> with a capital L, so I obviously think yeah. of an old scientist called layman who wrote layman, out the terms. Yeah. In layman's terms, he liked it. He answered my questions and had a few more for me. Naturally, my reply is immense and requires a further one from him. 
So I've written this huge long reply now that I'm now that I've got my foot in the door. So there you go. I've I've made contact with Nigel Kitching and your friend David. I wonder what it would be like if you were normal. <laughs> well, I think it'd go a little something <laughs> like this. What the hell should I put there? Do something normal. Me being normal. <laughs> I'm throwing it over to you now. Oh to, god. Uh... Oh no. You want me to be normal right now on the spot. Um Yes. Um, do a bit. Come up with a punchline. I'm pleased about all the stocks and shares I own. <laughs> it's good that I have a stable job at a company. <laughs> Hot Legs! Written by Lou Stringer, art by Mick McMahon, letters by Ella DeFell. It's bonfire night in the Emerald Hill Zone, and everyone's competing to make the ugliest guy in the image of Dr. Robotnik. The winning entry is a gigantic sculpture that soon turns out to be a Trojan horse sent by Robotnik himself, which opens to disgorge an army of badniks. But a burst of super speed friction from Sonic sets the giant guy on fire, and it collapses on top of the robots, sending Robotnik's plans <laughs> up in smoke. I'm not sure I have a single thing to say about this. Yeah. It is the most content-light strip I think the comic has had in a long time. Possibly ever. Well, it's one of these genuine lol at the giant Trojan Robotnik, because... Yes, it turns out to be, but of course, you know, when you read it, you know exactly what it is straight away. Sure. The, there's some, a door in its there's chest, a door in it. for God's sake. It's a giant wooden thing, they're wheeling it in, you're like, oh, what's this? Yeah, I know what this is. Um, so that was nice, it's, it fits into that bit of, yeah, we know what the joke here is, let's see it play out. Um, I, I quite like the drawings. I'm still on, I'm still on board with Mick McMahon at this stage. I'm losing it, honestly. Yeah. His tails is ratchet. Tails, what's wrong with it? No, it's just not right. It looks like it, it's no. kind of that same problem as before, where it doesn't look like it comes from the same reference sheet as his Sonic does. It looks like he's copying sort of Richard Elson Tails mm -hmm. and then drawing his own. Like that's unmistakably Mick McMahon's Sonic, which is to say, it's right. a very good translation of the new yeah. style guide model sheet of Sonic, but the Tails isn't. We haven't seen him draw Tails before, though, have we? Oh, I don't think right? Tails is... I can't um, think of a previous song right. that's had Tails in it. But what I do remember is images of Tails that McMahon draws later, which oh. are much nicer, oh. much cuter, much better. Oh, okay. Uh, this one doesn't go down. No, there's something about the shape of the head, the position of the eyes on it. Maybe that one at the bottom of page three where he's just boshing the bad... Literally, bosh is the sound effect. Uh -huh. Bosh in the bad nick. Look at that. What's that? It's like it's like something off a CBBC program. I don't know what it is. It's not right. I haven't much of a problem with it. Certainly the one on the um over the page from that one, bottom left, where it's a view from the side, that doesn't work. Um it's <clears throat> I mean it, you know, it works, functions as a drawing, but it's got that spray of ginger hair coming out the back that doesn't say. But I will go to bat though, for his last tails in the strip. I think that's a that's a perfectly good one, right? It's alright. It's better than the others, but it's... Yeah. I don't really know how much cuter he can get than that. that. That's just fine. Even the first page. Like, look, go back to the first page. Look at those tails. They're just all wrong. Well, I mean, they're... What, don't see the big problem? They're fine. There's just something about him that's not right. Yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it. Now, he has started that thing of the fair... Not fully, but fairly solid line to delineate where the shading goes. It? Yes, that's a big standout. Kind of makes tails look like he's got a moustache. Um, yeah. Bit. <laughs> I don't like that. I never liked it, and it is very pronounced here. I don't really understand it. I don't understand the thought process behind it. Hmm. 
I think it harms the art, and I am becoming intensely more disgusted by his mobians. <laughs> I'm not. I don't see the problem. Look at these little hunched dwarves. They all are, they are. with their, ha- their legs, where their, their arms go all the way down to the ground. That's true. Well, they're funny little guys, aren't they? Um, yeah, they're not... Yeah, they do not match what we think of as mobians. I'll certainly agree with that. And, and sure... What we think of as Mobians is massively varied depending on artists. I just think this is the ugliest they've ever been. Here's an interesting little puzzle. Go to page three of the strip. You can Mm -hmm. see two dogs close to us in the panel. And then just make your eyes see instead the fussing, fretting Muppet that I see in the the dark part of the further away dog. You You turn his ear into the lower jaw. You turn that little bit into a upward pointing sharp tooth and you keep the eye and there's a, just a little a little fretting grover type character hidden in the second dog's face this, do you know what i'm talking about no nope. do you even know what i'm talking about can't see it i refer to this guy got it got you see it. him got it yeah see i him? see him now yeah wow that's all you got <laughs> right because that, that's all the story gives us uh, to work with well that's almost all i've got the only other thing i've got is a, a nitpick mm. it's a um lettering gaff i think from mm. from elita on page two uh I'm a letterer myself now, and I know it's trickier than people think, but I'm afraid that caption, the anonymous overseas benefactor, just doesn't go there. It, it's no, it's going it's too far to be... into the above. Yeah. So what it is, is that there's the one big picture where they reveal the Trojan Robotnik, and then there's a row of panels, and the caption I'm talking about is the caption for the final panel. Yeah. But it protrudes up into... Yeah. The previous layer. It and the Grimer's speech bubble have simply been placed too high. Too high, that's, in, yeah, in the just move them so both down. Risen. There, there is 100% room. It's not a concession to there not being enough room left in the art for the speech bubbles. There 100% is enough room. They've, they've just been accidentally just stuck on the wrong spot of the page. In fact, I think you could move the entire acetate down and nothing would be wrong. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right, right enough. Look, looking over, actually, at the next... Then, yeah, I think it's the whole yeah. sheet of acetate, actually, yeah. Like, nothing else looks like it's wrongly placed, but move it down. But and if you imagine them move down, they all look better. A little bit better, like Tails yeah. is talking out of his mouth instead of his eyeball now, yeah. Well, I think that would... St- actually, the Tails one feels like it should be higher. Well, it should. Ideally, it yeah. should. Yeah, yeah, so no, maybe it, no, yeah, maybe it's not simply that the acetate is a bit low. The two from Sonic and the, the other guy, the judge of the contest, hmm. those should be lower. But that tails one, if that tails one was lower, the bubble would actually be tangenting or overlapping his eye. So it should sit higher. Oh, I see that, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's mm, interesting. It's yeah. Something's gone wrong. And anyway, the, so, the, yes, the yeah. main problem is that my eye, maybe it's just me, maybe it's how my brain you, works. You read the caption before you're supposed to. You read the caption three panels early yeah. because it's essentially part of the above. They both, yeah, because you, your eyes are just magnetically yanked from a bit over the top, isn't it, down to the next text, which is this caption. So that's a shame. Um, and and my only other note, again a nitpick: hot legs. Doesn't really mean anything, does it? Nothing. Yeah, nothing to do with nothing. No. I yeah. guess the Robotnik gets hot legs when they set fire to it. Sonic runs away. I mean, I, I like that. That's what he does. Is he uses his super speed to create friction to set the guy on fire. That that's nice. Oh, with his legs. Sonic makes fire with his legs. Maybe that's why it's hot legs. I guess. Maybe. Yeah. But it's an I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So really weird. I've been waiting three entire issues, if you include this one, to find out why this strip is called Hot Legs. <laughs> yeah. Because they teased it too early. And it isn't for any reason. No, it's about fire. Yeah. It's about fire and bonfire night. But, um, it's, I'm not, I'm not insulting it. Yeah. It's not necessarily a young pitched story. It doesn't no. have the, the tone 
that really put us off nice. in, in the past. It's just nothing. The badniks come out of the guy. They fight them a bit. Sonic sets the guy on fire. It falls over and that's it. And well, it's like even Stringer knows there's nothing here because it just ends with Robotnik going, the Robotnik's only wearing a dialogue and the thing is now Grimer to activate it. Mm. And it just ends with Grimer going gulp in response to Robotnik's They're watching this on a screen elsewhere, by the way. As they watch it on a screen from Flicky's Island. And then Sonic does a stringer stinger. Robotnik's ideas goes up in smoke. And that's it. It's just, there's nothing. It's just, it's just, there's no, there's nothing deeper here at all. There's no ambition to this. There's one thing, which is that it's bonfire night, isn't it? This is true. I don't recognise that as a holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's your problem. (laughs) It is, yes. So that's why this is here. Yes, it's it a, is a bonfire night, night one. strip. Yeah. But then remember how good a Christmas strip Lou delivered last oh, yeah. year with Father Christmas coming to visit Dr. Robotnik. Oh my God, that was so good. Yeah. And this is, it's devoid of ambition or concept. The remit here was, hey Lou, write us a bonfire night strip. And he was like, all right, here. And that's it. Also, this issue came out on the 12th of November. Late for it, yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably... So, it was probably supposed to be last issue, right? Hot legs, when they advertised oh, when it. When they advertised it. It must have been late then. It must have taken them longer to make. Yeah. No, but the last issue was the Halloween issue, because it would have been before mm. Bonfire Night, but it would also have been before Halloween, so mm. they must... Maybe they bumped this to take place after Halloween, but then the consequences that it winds up coming late, yeah. Oh, well. Graphic Zone! <laughs> Alien Nation. So we've got kind of spacey-themed ones, except for the ones that aren't. Yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> Philip Ryan from Liverpool has done one of... Um, it's definitely from something, isn't it? Is it a... Is it a Beetleborg? Or something like that? Don't know. It's Sonic, and they've labelled it Starship Trooper, as if Sonic was dressed up in a fancy spaceman-type suit. Yeah. But it really looks like something. Yeah, it looks like he's done a good job here of using all his colouring pencils. He's doing shading. Mm. Gleaming armor and differentiating that from the non gleaming Sonic head. Yeah, it's Sonic in a gold suit of some kind, uh, which no yeah. no doubt our listeners will annoyedly tell us what it is. Yeah, it, it really, really does look like something, though. Yeah. I feel like I might even know what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like it, this could have been a yogurt mascot or something, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and he's wearing like a little visor, like Cyclops from the X Men. This guy could have definitely, like, warned me about the dangers of not brushing my teeth. There's something about whatever this is. Uh, Daryl Malloy in Great Missenden, Buckinghamshire, has sent in one that the caption says, Knuckles turns Starship Snooper! See? Because they know, the editors of this know one phrase about space because they're of that generation. Um, It's Knuckles, and he stood there with hands-on nips, (laughs) <laughs> looking up at a UFO, a flying saucer in the sky, which Daryl has painstakingly drawn a, a row of tiny little windows all over. Good for him. Attention to detail. Sam Reynolds from Roland's Gill, Tyne and Weir, has drawn a sort of robot Sonic. Mm, and right. I, I mean, a, like a beep-boop 1950s yeah. Jetsons robot Sonic, not one of the many robot no, Sonics a, that we have often seen. Not a metallics. I like this. I like this. A lot of effort has been put in to cover him in bits of robot and different kinds of arm and whatever's going on with his trousers yeah it's like he's got a whole block yeah. instead of where his legs should be like big box he's got a thing that would end in casters except it doesn't it ends in little sonic feet yeah they've captioned that one little greenish hedgehog because he's a turquoise color it does look like it could be a drawing of an existing robot but with blue spikes put down the side of it but i don't know yeah it's not a million miles off a smash robot really is it not really 
But then there are two others on here. Yes, this brings us to the highlight of the page, really. There's one from Daniel Smith in Lancaster and one from Joshua McDowell in Glasgow. And God love them. (laughs) It's hard to tell if they're meant to be anything. I'm pretty convinced. Or if they're just bad drawings. I'm pretty convinced they're not meant to be ETs. Yeah. I think this is an attempt to draw Sonic by, by like... Like a child's mind that's taken on board the basic dream shapes Where the of the bits Sonic has. Yeah. It's a Sonic. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like that's what it is. It, it's it's like famous meme character and star of silver screen, <laughs> big screen movie adventure, Sonic. Yeah. So the first one is captioned E.T. your heart out. That's a decent enough little gag. Because it's he's got a massive hammer he's got a head. Big, big long forward stretching head. It's Sonic's body, and instead of Sonic's head, it's got a huge hammer head where all the features are, are at the on, front. The thing, on the front. <laughs> and then the spikes at the back. And fair enough, it does look like E.T. So fair enough it for them really to really yeah. looks like E.T. But I think it's just someone who's spotted that Sonic's face is there, and then behind it are three triangles and he's blue and this is the best i can do <laughs> if his ear was there yeah it would look so much less like et <laughs> if he'd simply drawn his ear or if he'd drawn his muzzle instead of just continuing to color it blue or his muzzle then it would really just look like a bad drawing of sonic by a child but wow uh, now a fascinating drawing of sonic by a child is the joshua mcdowell one captioned sonic's powerpoint because yes because the whole thing comes to a point but I think that's... Be- so, uh, how should we describe this? Imagine a Sonic that's a weeble, but that has long limbs, point at the top. Well, again, it's 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 a... The body is fine. Fine, yeah. They haven't got the limbs quite the right colour. Well, that's fine. But it's fine. You use the pens God gives you. They've figured out how Sonic's body works. Yeah. It's figuring out the head that they can't do. <laughs> and so they've just drawn... He's tried to figure out what Sonic looks like from head on. Yeah. Which is a difficult prospect. Yeah. And he knows from Richard Elson art that Sonic does, when viewed from the front, come, come to, to a, a point. point. Yeah, unfortunately, he's not delineated the head from that, so it's like an... It's like, well, it's like a big egg. Yes. Yes. He is the big egg. That comes to a point. <laughs> yeah. And then it just has these... All the features of his face are positioned up at the top of the spike. <laughs> Including his eyes, which are like... They look kind of angry, like they're looking out of a, a visor, like a pair of shades, but kind of looking cross and, and like he's looking up and he's slightly cross-eyed. His mouth is a great giant scribble across a muzzle. And wait. Wait. Listen. For a moment. Look at the pen. <laughs> listen for a moment. Will you just for once in your <laughs> life, listen. <laughs> look at the pen strokes on his hands. Look at the pen strokes on his tummy. Look at the pen strokes on his muzzle and his mouth. This is a tiny child baby with a big set of felt tips. And then look at the intricate work done on his eyes with a small pen. Yeah. They haven't added eyes on, have they? Those eyes aren't editorial eyes, are they? Pupils at best. They could have added pupils. Well, I'm thinking a bit of Tip X and the pupils on top of that. Like, maybe he just had these two black masses before. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You could be right that they've tipexed in the eyes on top of that dark space. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think you have it, sir. I don't really know why they would have bothered with that. Maybe they were supposed to be sunglasses. Well, yeah, so why would you Why would you spoil that? Maybe, maybe it didn't look like sunglasses. Because it, well, it didn't look like much. Aliens don't wear sunglasses. <laughs> it's so, dark in space. 
It's just a level of editorial control over a child's drawing that I don't think we've broached before, breached before, where it's like, no, we're not just correcting this to fit the theme. We're like, no, you should have drawn a different kind of eyes on this. Here you go, I'm putting this. Um, and then to the sides of this great... Yes, it's n- never mind all of that. It's like he's tried to figure out how to make the spikes work because he yeah. knows that the spikes go out. Go everywhere, yeah. But it's like he's got two massive um, fin ears on either side of his head. They're like Spock ears. He's got... Yeah. A, they come to a point sticking up and they come to a point sticking, sticking down. down. Like like fish tails sticking out both sides of the head of this pointed egg. It makes me wonder what Daniel Smith from Lancashire and Joshua McDowell from Glasgow thought when they sent in what they thought were their good and normal drawings of sonic and had them put in the freaked out alien (laughs) graphic zone exactly poor kids you always wonder yeah i mean i know we are we've decided these are normal drawings of sonic but i think they are i think they are (laughs) hey but hey daniel smith and joshua mcdowell if this should ever reach your ears oh please tell us do let us know stctpodcast at gmail.com we both we've not influenced each other we've both come to this podcast already yes, thinking that separately Amy. high in the sky written by lou stringer art by carl flint colors by john m burns and letters by tom frame norris wimple gets on the news when he claims to have taken a photo of a UFO, leading to him being abducted by Drat, the Dr. Robotnik Appreciation Tribe, who fear what he's seen is one of the Doctor's top-secret new weapons. When Amy and Techno come to his rescue, Drat unleashes a swarm of laser-shooting flying discs, but Techno reprograms them and turns them against the baddies. Norris is saved, but when the photo is developed, it turns out that the UFO, the short-sighted nerd spotted, was just tails flying by. Uh, yeah, it's 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 another one of these uh, Techno and Amy stories where, okay, they're a little bit more proactive in this than they have been in the last little while, but it is very much another one where the story is about some loose stringer OCs and Amy and Techno stand to make jokes at them. Yes. I enjoyed this more. I thought there was more to dig into with this. Yeah, yeah. I really liked, in fact, the central conceit that this short-sighted man thinks he's found a UFO. An entire set of hijinks happens based on the fact that a UFO photo has been taken. There's a group that wants to keep that covered up, blah, 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 blah. And it just turns out, not only is it tails, I find the, I found the punchline here way funnier than a grown-up should. Yes, yes. I, I. It's the fact that the photograph of Tails is Tails waving at the camera and giving a big thumbs up. He loves it. It's not some distant speck of Tails <laughs> off in the distance. That's a good glam shot. And that is, in fact, the postscript joke yeah. after the joke that it turns out it was Tails, where Tails gets the photo and goes, oh, that's quite good likeness, that. <laughs> it's that he saw someone taking a photo and he went way at the photo because he's such a sweet little guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a sweet little guy he is. And just that, it's just a good idea that we've been on this wild goose chase the whole time. So I like that. It's nice to see Drat again. Drat are back, yeah. They're showing up more often. Uh, it, it's specifically, it's that chicken guy from the first Drat story. Yeah. Minus his suggestive medallion, which I feel yes. like edit. Oh, no, no, no. There it is, hanging on the wall. Oh, where? Just behind, under the caption box. Oh, yes. I guess they only put that on for ceremonies. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I found quite a lot of stuff to... to I, I made a lot of notes on this one. Page one, 
Amy and Techno have got a place together. That's nice. Yeah, I don't know where they are exactly, but I, this has got to be Amy's house, right? Because Techno lives in her lab, presumably. Yeah, she must do. Well, I don't and know. They've got it's more of those uh, hanging bauble round chairs that, that more of obviously we uh, in Ebony's cafe last issue. Oh yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Were they just a thing in 1997? Were they on? <laughs> Maybe. Did they have these on the Big Breakfast? Where, where would you see these? Um, Maybe they were famously featured in some music video or something. Oh wait, they had them in um, Men in Black, didn't they? That scene where uh, he drags one noisily across the room. For no, a long he time. drags a table. Noisily oh, beg pardon, but he's room, sitting but... in one of these. Uh, yes, because there's no comfortable way to sit in it, and he has to like position. Well, no, himself. no, it's not that there's no comfortable way to sit in it. There's nothing to write on his. Uh, yes, he can't write properly. In That's it, it. Because there's no flat. You can't get it on your knees properly, so that's why he drags the table over. But they don't look very comfy, is the thing. It's an odd... But yes, all of the decor in this house is these these hanging baubles. Two of them hollowed out to be chairs. One of them is the telly. Yeah. I thought it was actually a communications globe. Yeah, uh, so did I. Before it turned out Norris was on the news. Yeah, I thought he was contacting them. But no, we find yeah. out it's on the... And the way that they show it's a telly is and he's not just in there is that you know it has the shine coming off it but that has the something about this drawing doesn't it look like they're clacking together like those executive toy <laughs> hanging clacking ball things hadn't occurred to me really not then i love the way uh i see amy's actually got a remote control in her hand now so oh, d- d- yeah, yeah didn't even notice that but she turns the tv on and techno goes look amy it's the very lovely norris <laughs> <laughs> i do like their relationship sarky b- yeah, they're just being their way through life, even when there's no one else around to hear. I, I love these two. Relationship goals, honestly. <laughs> just sitting in two big round chairs, judging everybody. Yeah, imagine, <laughs> how, imagine how good these two will be. And hey, let's do a fan comic of this, the team from the Sonic Fan Fest comics thing. Them in a retirement home. They're old, they're spending their lives... Just taking in. the piss out of the orderlies. The Statler and Waldorf of Sonic's world. <laughs> That one poker face, but it's Amy and Techno. <laughs> More like a disorderly a Techno. <laughs> uh, Amy's top design this issue, boopity boop boop. It's a crown, but not just any crown. Uh, this is specifically the sort of crown that you find on a frog. <laughs> that's going to be a prince if you kiss it. So that's today's top. Last panel on page two. Carl Flint has just popped a poo there. Yep. Norris is about to step in some poo. Yeah, that is a nice little Tom Patterson, Calamity James type joke. Lovely just stuff. A poo on the ground. Now, I was really interested in the monkey wearing a jumper that's just a black rectangle because I'm already <laughs> looking at jumper tops, and I was just like, oh, he's just the, the design of his top is just a black rectangle. But then I had a good peer of it, and I'm half convinced that this is censored. Yeah, something's c- under there. I've got two strong guesses. One is that it's a supersonic top. And it's been removed to help the continuity problem we raised where the supersonic story sort of relies on supersonic not being a well-known figure. It seems to be a reach, but like, have a good peer. You can see a figure with light-coloured head covered in upward spikes. Yeah, that that feels like a reach. I'm not sure I see a figure, honestly. The figure is harder to see, but you can see the head, right? Like, if you get it in the right light. I mean, you see what's ahead, but it could be... It, it's a, a it could be anything. You could, yeah. I could, it could be a UFO. It could yeah. be the I Want to Believe poster. I think I can see what I'm going to call a yellow supersonic style head, just for just for our reference for now, right? Could have next to it a finger pointing upwards. It could have at the bottom of it a pair of shoes. I think you're seeing what you want to see there, Dave. I could, yeah, I could well be. That blob with the upward pointing spikes, it could be a comet, fireball type design. It could be 
a Bart Simpson, but it's a bad one if so, wouldn't need censoring. My question is, why have we drawn a big mark over it to hide whatever it is? Something has been censored there, it yeah. does look like, yes, and that is interesting. wonder what that is. Anyway. Never to be known. So that's interesting. Um, as the villains drag Norris into the van, it says, clean me on the back. Good. Oh, look, he's got a big poo stain on his foot as well. Oh, yeah, he stepped he on stepped that poo. He stepped in that poo. Right, Carl is on, Carl's on fire this issue. He's putting <laughs> loads of stuff. I mean, he's on fire in the sense that he's having fun, but yeah. it doesn't, like, you know, actually, like, uh, you know, look good. Well, it's kind of the, the same problem as we had with that Wendy Wallace-Roger Bodge strip there a couple of issues ago, where, again, Norris is a Corona design, mm. and the Drat guys are Richard Elson designs. Mm. And Carl's just drawing them the way they drew them, and they don't live in the same world mm. together. Mm. Well, I just like all the details he's putting in. The clean me on the van, obviously people write that in dirt. Uh, that's yeah. good. I liked the seaside beach shop fishing nets outside the shop on the second to last page at the top there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this whole action beat is a bit weird, uh-huh. because when Dra are legging it, it, it feel, right, it feels like there's a bigger idea that's maybe not coming across properly here. Okay. Because what Drat do is they launch a bunch of flying saucers at Amy and Techno. They're frisbees, but they're flying discs that shoot lasers. Yeah, they're space spinners. Techno catches one of them in a net and yeah. reprograms it, and it's the lead one, and, and mm-hmm. it, she throws it, she frisbees it off after their van and the others. The others go after. So it's the issue that had little flying discs free with it. Yeah. And it's the story where Drat think Norris has snapped a picture of Robotnik's oh, new yeah. weapon, a flying saucer. Oh, yeah. But no correlation is made between any of these things. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Yeah, they never say. Specifically, we mean this new invention, a flying saucer he has. Yes, it could be one of, Doctor, not the one we've got here now that we are now using in front of everybody, that it doesn't matter anyway. There's something there, I feel like it's got to be on purpose, but it hasn't quite come together. That is interesting, yeah. But yeah, just just the very fact that the free gift is in the comic was a big surprise. We've never had anything like that. I mean, I don't think it, I don't know that it's on purpose. No, neither do I. Because you could write a story about UFOs. Yeah, and they never say in, you'd think it would say in the control zone, look for the space spinners in this strip. You know, you'd think they'd make, whether it was an accident or not, you'd think they'd make that connection. But I don't think they do. I mean, well, they do. They do make, obviously, Megadroid was trying to sell the whole issue as well, all right, alien yeah. themed. But they do. So he did say in the welcome screen that Norris Wimple has a close encounter counter with an unidentified flying object so yeah but yes but he doesn't say like the ones we're giving they're yeah. the same they're little frisbees this strip promises that they shoot lasers and the free gifts don't do that and true sadly yeah would that they did we could have vanquished our enemies next issue multi-mania oh we're gonna be playing sonic mania on the multi-mega <laughs> Yeah, this one's alright. There's, there's, yeah. uh, Amy and Techno are a bit more proactive than they have been. Mm-hmm. There are some funny jokes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look great. And it is still largely about a story about Lou Stringer OCs that Amy and Techno sort of wander into. And you get, like, Amy uses her crossbow. I can't remember the last time Amy used her crossbow. And Techno reprograms the flying saucer and things. So their unique and individual skills are coming into play. I mean, Techno had her exploding earrings that one time before, but it doesn't... You know, they're doing things that are their thing to do. Hmm. And, and, and for that reason, it does feel like it's a better example of an Amy and Techno strip than maybe the last couple have been. Agreed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you forget, don't you? Yeah. 
First letter here is from Simon Howden in Leeds, Yorkshire. Dear Megadroid, Sonic is such a favourite of mine, comic, TV cartoon, computer games, etc., that Dr. Robotnik should hate me as much. Even though I'm a Hedgehog fan, I'm also interested in finding out what Knuckles the Echidna is doing now. Can you tell me? And Megadroid replies, and I had to contain my excitement, that we'll have to wait until STC 120 mm-hmm. when Knuckles appears with Tails. Yep. And, he nearly forgot, Knuckles will be back for another series after the new year. Yeah. 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 It's been absolutely ages yeah. since Knuckles was in this comic. We haven't seen Knuckles since 101. Really? You know, he went back to the floating island afterwards to just... Like, seen him at all? Yeah. Has he been... I can't think... He hasn't been in a comic, has he? I don't know. He hasn't had a strip. Wow. So if it's the new year, you're going. You're talking about twenty issues, but without a knuckle strip. So yeah, we haven't seen knuckles in ages, and I'm just going to really be looking forward to seeing him again. Definitely. Don't know what he's doing with tails though. Wonder if they're going to bog off back to the nameless zone or something. Yeah. <laughs> I should, Coco. Hey, Megadroid. I'm getting worried about you. I think it's time you sat down with a cup of cocoa and a biscuit. Mm. Bothers to write Ross Jarvis from Ulster, Warwickshire, and Megadroid replies. Well, I appreciate your concern, Ross. My batteries definitely need recharging, but Coco would just make them rusty. Don't print that one. No point. It's got nothing to do with anything. Rubbish. I, I mean, I think it's harmless. Total non sequitur. You're, you're nothing a bit to do put out by with one. when Knuckles is coming back. It's nothing to do with <laughs> visiting Sega World. Irrelevant. Listen, listen. If they basically just give me one letter that provides me with genuine information about what's coming up in the comic, <laughs> the rest of it can be a write off. I'll call the speed lines good. Uh, but uh, this last one here, Seek Out Sega World, they've captioned it. Dear Megadroid, I think it is hard to get stuff printed in STC. Tell that to Ross Jarvis. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you about my trip to Sega World. My particular favourite was the sports arena, as it's truly tops. But I would recommend the whole place to anybody, as long as they've got a sense of fun. <laughs> That's from Natalie Altahan, Hampton, Middlesex. And Megadroid replies, It will be wasted on the Humes around here then, Natalie. Oh, <laughs> roasting the Humes, Megadroid. I don't know why they Humes bother to keep you around with that attitude. Oh. oh. It's all banter, though, isn't it? <laughs> Boomers remember that the world's largest future active indoor theme park Whoa. is open 364 days a year, closed only on Christmas Day. I am only interested in the world's fourth largest future active indoor theme park, <laughs> so I will not be attending. Thank you. And, and in one of the spots where a picture should notionally go, <laughs> yeah. they've just put a photograph of, say, oh, it's not even a photograph, is it? It's from that. It's the same picture from that animated CG advert we saw, yeah. Yes, showing the famous escalator. Yes, with the famous Captain Janeway on the screen above it. Because otherwise there is only one picture, mm-hmm. and it's a very extendo stretched out yes. down the middle. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik being burned alive. Yeah. We know it's a bonfire because you can see a couple of sticks in it and there appears to be a firework in the air. But that's that's Robotnik. That's not a guy of Robotnik. He's being burned alive. He is very afraid. Mm. He will die. Yeah. That's uh, from Carl Swan in Old Ghoul, North Umberside. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik's in the firing line, says the caption. I've never seen him look as afeard. No. <laughs> Sizzle pissed are the sound effects <laughs> as the bonfire crackles around him. That is the end of his life. What is that in the absolute foreground of it all? Is that a little skull? Crossbones? It's a, yes, I think it's a box of dynamite. It's a, it's oh, a red yeah, box it with be, a skull yeah. and crossbones label on it. It'll be the fireworks, won't it? That's where the fireworks are kept. So any minute now, they're going to all go off and blow him up as well. He's doomed. This guy is absolutely <laughs> done for. 
Well, is there anything to make us sizzle in our mailbag? Ooh. Or is it just a load of old pissed? <laughs> it's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. Yes, we have. And if you want your letters to be in our mailbag, then you can send them to stctpodcast at gmail.com. We've got this one here from cousin of the show, John, who says, Hi guys, having just listened to issue 112 and your relentless negativity, I feel obliged to mention that I, a slightly younger reader, was still very much enjoying the comic. I remember one two-part story coming up about Johnny that I was particularly excited about. Not a clue what that is, Mm. so look forward to it then. It's coming. The reprints didn't bother me so much at first, having never read the earlier strips. Sure. Yeah. But I think it was when they started reprinting the ones I knew that I dropped off the comic. That is the wild thing, isn't it? Because there's so much stuff that they could have reprinted, and yet they still wound up reprinting stuff that was so recent. Yes. That even later adopters of the comic were seeing things they'd read be reprinted. The idea that anything from after issue 100 was ever reprinted. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Well, anyway, John says, actually, I think it was the reprint of the banana one that made me stop for good. For your market research department, I moved on to read grown-up things like N64 magazine. Of course. Excellent podcast as ever. Keep it up. (laughs) And similarly, we have another John here. This is Johnny Dimmerline, who also says, I've just listened to episode 112, and I thought I'd add my opinion on the age matter. Being a person a few years younger than Dave and Chris. I turned 11 in the summer of 1997, and also around that time, I dropped STC and Buster in favour of 2000 AD and Essential X-Men. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like I'd grown out of Sonic. I still loved and constantly reread my STC back issues. I've been reading since the beginning. Oh gosh, you must have been very little when you started then, if you've got them all. Gosh, it's, been, yeah. it's, happened, it's all saved up, stuff you read when you were, what? I don't know, what? Six well, seven? seven. Oh. So, you know, it's not, not that young, actually. It's just... It, Here's the terrifying thing. It's not been that long, really. It's only been four years. (laughs) But I think the problem is something you've touched upon in the past. Sega just weren't an ongoing concern to UK kids for those few years. The early years of STC were perfectly pitched. It seemed like almost every kid I knew had a Mega Drive, the first two Sonic games, and the compilation cartridge Mega Games 2 with Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and Revenge of Shinobi on it. So the early days of STC definitely made for a perfect accompaniment to the cultural lives of under-10s in the UK at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Mm. Oh, how how sad. Wasn't it lovely revisiting that feeling? But... When the time came to move on to the 32-bit consoles, everyone went over to the PlayStation because it had Final Fantasy VII and all the wrestling and anime tie-ins we craved. All right. That's not why I went over to the PlayStation. <laughs> it had Crash, Bandicoot, Spyro, and Tomb Raider is what it had. and It wasn't because of those other things. <laughs> Saturn owners were mostly adult arcade nerds with the money and connections to import games since Sega Europe mostly just didn't bother releasing anything here. One personal anecdote to end on, though, is that for Christmas 2000, I got a Dreamcast, and Sonic Adventure reignited my interest in Sonic, and it hasn't waned since. I'd assumed uh, that STC must still be around and still be the great comic I remembered from those long three years earlier, but even though it was still technically in print, though I think it would have been in its reprints era, none of the shops in my village stocked it anymore. Uh, oh, that's sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, there, there would still be a year, a year left to STC at the end of two thousand. Which is, I, I've just checked that because it didn't seem right. But yeah, no, STC ran to the end of two thousand one. But it was all, yeah, it was all reprints for the last year mm-hmm. and a half. Okay, so uh, Johnny carries on then. About a year later, I started going to comic shops on the train. Did you? What? Oh, 
You mean the comic shop was far enough away? You're taking the train to train get to, to get, the comic yeah, okay, shop, yeah. you ninny. Okay. <laughs> you fool, you child! <laughs> and set up a standing order for the Archie Sonic comics. Oh no, bad end. So starved I was for Sonic stuff to enjoy. I basically had to choke it down, as that, might <laughs> 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 as that might well have been the creative nadir of that series, long before the likes yeah. of Ian Flynn and Tracy Yardley came along. I mean, not that long before. I mean, what, what four, four years before Flynn well, comes Well, four years was a long time in those but days, wasn't it? It's a long yeah. time, mate, man. That's from Johnny Demoline in obscurity on Twitter. Mega Drive, Sega Saturn. Dreamcast owner. Gosh, I thought maybe there was a happy ending coming at the nope, end of that. That's but, it. That, that letter ended with, I couldn't get the good Sonic comic, so I had to tolerate the bad the one. End. It was bad, the Correct. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it reinforces like the baseline thesis of this podcast. Correctly describing the despair of trying to be a Sonic fan in those days. Exactly. <laughs> It's funny, though, that, that uh, both those letters from both those Johns about that issue come in for us to talk about in this issue, because I, as we're at the end of this issue now, I do have to say the the one thing that really jumped out at me, just looking back at this issue as a mm. whole, I don't think that the gulf between the front half and the back half of the comic has ever been as wide. Mm. For as much, I feel like we're repeating ourselves lately, but it bears repeating. It's so apparent now that the level to which Kitching was writing, either it didn't change, or as we started speculating this issue, maybe it even went up a little bit. Whereas Stringer is really delivering the comedy strips, the weightless, don't matter issue. I mean, you you yourself, Dave, were the one who used the mm-hmm. term to describe it as a, I think you called, called the Amy strip a couple of issues ago, a sort of weightless, doesn't matter strip. That was rude of me. <laughs> I can't remember that strip it's now. not wrong, though, is it? And whenever you've got that, two of those in the back, and then two kitching bangers, kitching, kitching Elson and Dobbin up in the front, mm-hmm. and then Stringer, McMahon, uh, like, like you don't want to be mean, but it's yeah. the A team and the B team split, slam, bang, down the middle, just with a crap pinup in the middle, splitting the two. What's really interesting about that is, why are they the B team? Because they're Lou Stringer and Mick McMahon. These guys have both proved themselves to be excellent isn't it odd it's not necessarily a slam on stringer to call him like the b-tier writer on stc because there are two writers and in any list of anything someone is the best you know that's just the way it is it's unfortunate that this clean division happens to go hand in hand with a backslide in the quality of the work that's coming out or the maturity of the work that's Mm. coming out say and uh, artistically, then otherwise, it, it doesn't surprise. Like it doesn't feel wrong to call Mick McMahon B team just because he was a big Judge Dredd guy, you know, and drew very nice decap attack. It doesn't mean like I couldn't ever imagine Mick McMahon drawing a good Nigel Kitching Sonic strip. And I, you know, I don't know, maybe he will, but that just doesn't. Uh, he's a weird, goofy, knobbly need plasticine movie and drawing guy that just goes with the goofy, weightless stories. And it is that association that makes him one of the B-team creative-wise. This one doesn't even have a Corona in it, for goodness sakes. It's just so odd to me. Like, looking at his Sonic art here, I completely agree. I can't picture that doing a a proper Sonic... A proper Sonic strip! Now, you said that... I could hear the halt that came into your voice as it was the first word that bubbled up out of your mind and you almost didn't want to say it. Yeah. But, just, just goes to show what I'm saying. But the Mick McMahon from Decap, I can. He was so good. <laughs> I don't know that I can't imagine him drawing the Dracon Empire. 
You know, funny, I can imagine him drawing the Dracon Empire. Oh, actually, it's, no, it's that, Sonic that, I have more trouble with. That's actually, yes. I could really mm. imagine him drawing the Dracons. What what I meant was the Draco. I used, accidentally used the Dracon Empire as a shorthand way of saying the Dracon Empire storyline. Right. I could yeah. very much imagine him drawing those gross little fish dudes. Yes, I could. <laughs> and he'd be good at Sentinels, because they only look like the sort of thing he draws in 2080 anyway. Just big guys. Yeah, and they should have big, hard edges. Yeah. But yeah, no, we never we never got to find out, I guess. Unless he does. Unless we he don't does. know about it. Yeah. But I could be wrong. But we do know that Lou can write banger Sonicsters. And this is it. Not and we don't even have to go back as far as Brutus. We were just talking about the Christmas one. Oh, that was such a good strip. Yeah. Amazing. It was, that was a banger in a different way. Yeah. Brutus was excellent. Like that was even mm. better than some of the surrounding kitchen stories. Project yeah. Brutus ripped us. It mm. was amazing. I loved it. And it wasn't a thing where I remembered loving it as a kid and went. It was so much yeah. better than I yeah, expected yeah. it to be like going back to it. It was tremendous. <laughs> and of course there, there is an, there's an aspect to the whole nature of the production where it's like you know well why should Lou Stringer write Nigel Kitching style stories yeah. they have Nigel Kitching yeah. but it was just truly something that jumped out at me with this issue is that never has the division been more clear and I do wonder if it just simply stays that way going forward. But this was the first issue in a little while without a decap attack. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I think that is what really brought that balance out. So without Nigel doing a decap attack, that's why we've got Supersonic, you know. Yeah. So we get two Nigel Sonics, two Lou mm-hmm. Sonics, and it's just those are two very, very different things. And I'm sorry, but I know which one I'm enjoying more and which one has me more excited for the next issue. Yeah, and uh, and as we now know, this is the exact same time that STC online fandom is starting. Yes, this is starting to make so much sense. And so, guess what we're all talking about? Yeah, because, you know, back in those, literally, the first hundred issues, couldn't have found a bigger pair of loose stringer boosters, bigging up the qualities of his stories, over and above this perception that his stories have had online. But, as the Diary Zone helps us see, the time Mm. that the fandom is forming and the opinions are taking root based on what is happening concurrently with that it starts to make yeah. a lot of sense we've what we've done we the british fans from back then have done the exact thing that we accuse americans of doing where they've got on the internet and written the canon history of sonic and sonic comics and we're going no it's not and then i realize here now that me and my friends did the exact same thing <laughs> And we just cemented Listen, some ideas. But, but okay, no, okay, we're only 17 issues into the post-100 era, but based on what we've seen so far, I don't think that's an inaccurate representation of history as it existed at that point in time. It's not an accurate representation of what came in the previous 100 issues, yeah. but what is on the page now, the way it was received, yeah, seems seems about right. Sorry. And then there's a big bad drawing of Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just before the next issue page, the inside back cover just says it was Spider-Man last issue. It's uh, another Fox Kids ad. This issue, advertising Casper. What's it called? The Casper's Haunted Adventures. The most uh, hauntedest like. adventures of Casper. Uh, the, the Casper cartoon based on the new film. Yeah. And this is not a good drawing at all. Everything about this is 
wrong. Look at how the outline of his lip doesn't go as far down as the colouring in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Casper was a bit funny like that. You know, I mean, they, they, they've, they've drawn a big white blobby silhouette and then drawn mm. some facial features onto it. Yeah, no, it's not good. I don't like this drawing. And uh, I don't know. It's fine. It, it looks. It looks. <laughs> looks like Casper. Even the cartoon was drawn a bit better than this, and that was drawn. By <laughs> <Well>. mm. <laughs> Just seen a ghost, Casper. It asks of him because he looks very alarmed. Yeah. Unless you're tuned into Fox Kids, you'll never know. And it's that same advert again, but with a different character. Oh yeah, because that's I guess that's their line. Because last I remember, it was Spider Sense or Spider Dance. Mm -hmm. Unless you're tuned into Fox Kids, you'll never know. I guess these all ask questions. Can they mangle the magna magma? Can they mangle the magnivores? What? The big bad Beetleborgs ad. Can, ah. Unless you're tuned into Fox Kids, you'll never know. They're all ah, questions. Right. Four o'clock Ace Ventura, half four Casper, five o'clock The Tick, half five X-Men, six o'clock Spider-Man. And then for some godforsaken reason yeah. at half six, they put Sweet Valley High on as if that had any follow through, as if there was any mm. line that led through those things. I mean, the whole show was follow through, if you ask me. I mean, poo. Right. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm sure I must have seen bits of it. But it just you could just stop your little timetable there at six. And then it would all make sense. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to get a Sweet Valley High advert variation. Doubt it. Doubt it. You can't draw that badly in whatever the software is that draws badly in. Next issue, as we learned, STC goes mega-sized. Mm. Plus there's a cover gift of a... <laughs> cool you card. card yes and an extra seven page oh an extra seven page sonic <laughs> story full one called face to face makes me wonder if that it maybe just wasn't commissioned for a regular issue <laughs> yeah. since it's seven pages you know specifically yeah. the length of the lead sonic strip and they've just pumped it here instead complete new stories tales and amy and techno and the thrilling conclusions to Sonic and Super Sonic. Look at them squirreled away in the smallest font on the page down yeah. there. As if yeah. they are not the hot ticket items that I am here for. Well, Give me those. There's no art on this page. It's just a clip art of a snowflake sparkling away in the background. Yeah, they've got like two kinds of snowflake. One is that. And then they've built little Christmas trees out of stars and snowflakes. Oh, those? I didn't even notice those. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mega size STC 118 on sale Wednesday, the 26th of November. Special price, £1.50. Oh, how special. I'm excited and I can't wait to pay it. <laughs> I'm kind of interested to see what that issue comes together like, uh, if mm. there's anything extra in it. Mm, you know, yeah. any features or anything to excite me. Like, give us a feature on Sonic R. I know you're not yeah. going, but it'd be nice. Yeah, it would. And you can find out with us in our next episode, which you'll be able to find most places that good podcasts are available. Or, of course, as always, you can download it directly from our website at stctp.zone, where it usually goes up a little bit earlier than the pod scoopers catch it. You can follow the podcast on the socials. It's at Sonic Podcast here and there and hither and yon. It's at Sonic Podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast dot various things. Of, uh, look for at Sonic Podcast on the socials. And when you're looking for us, look for at Chris McFeeling. And at Demon Tomato Dave on the same and YouTube. And before I forget, the chill out music for Ebony's Bar was from Sonic and Chill 
by Game Chops. You can find that on YouTube and about the place. Link in the description. You can support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash stctp, where a donation of any amount gets you access to the bonus bank of bollocks. <laughs> They've just sent an email saying, welcome to the new Patreon. I'm too scared to open it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. They've, uh, they're just <laughs> uh, they're trying to ruin it. You know, it's uh, um, got to make that line go up for the investors yeah, uh, by yeah, not yeah, yeah. functionally changing anything about how the website works and therefore yeah. just making the UI worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if if you can brave that, <laughs> you'll find our videos and audios talking about the Martin Adams Sonic novels and Dave's... Listen, if you can brave the Patreon UI, you can definitely brave yeah. the things of us talking about Dave's terrible old fan fiction, because yeah. one is worse than t'other. <laughs> by a writer certified good by Nigel Kitching of Sonic <laughs> <laughs> Our opening theme, also very, very good is called Synchronize and it's by Sonic the Comic the Band and you'll find it you can buy that it's a song you can have it it's called so <laughs> I've told you and you can find it at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com because they've been Sonic the Comic the Band and we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast and we will see you next time of course it goes without saying in this obviously that this is Lovely Dobbin work, Lovely top to bottom. Dobbin. Lovely Dobbin. That's our new sign. I need to make a little jingle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>